Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. So tonight we are wrapping up our conversation on rest. We've been talking about rest for the last three weeks. And I want to begin by asking the question, how do you define rest? Like when I say that word, what do you think about? What does it mean for you? Because for me, I know before I read this book and it completely wrecked me, um, <laughs> I, I rest the ma- main way that I defined it is disengaging, disconnecting, doing something mindless, not working. And that's part of it, I think. Sometimes it's nice to just like do something that you don't have to think much about, play a video game, binge a TV show, you know, scroll through social media for hours and just get sucked into the vortex of the algorithm. <laughs> Uh, but the way we've been talking about rest in this series is a little bit more than that. I, I, I was like trying to figure out how to name it, and it didn't come to me until like 4 o'clock. It's like self-care with an edge. It's like anti-capitalist. It's rebellious type of rest because we're swimming in the waters of capitalism. And in this economic system, rest a lot of the times, is recharging so that you can then go back and keep producing and pushing and doing. And then once you're tired, you recharge so you can go back and produce more and more and more. So rest is just this thing that you do so that you can keep doing rather than being a way to balance the scales and to resist the message that our worth is based on what we accomplish and produce. And the kind of rest that we're talking about is more of this intentional disruption, creating space in our lives to do some of the things that matter but aren't about an outcome or aren't always so efficient. Things like self-work, the kind of things that we sometimes put off when our lives get really busy and we just let them go by the wayside. That's what we're talking about. It's putting a pause on the project of capitalism to sit with what's going on in here and in here, just in here in general, in our entire bodies. It's pausing to reclaim our sacred worth in a world that measures value based on how much we produce. It's about reclaiming our humanity in a system that can sometimes pull us towards dehuman being dehumanized. And sometimes it's asking honest questions too. It's asking, do I really want to keep doing this? (laughs) What do I actually want? Am I enjoying myself? Or how could I reframe what I'm doing in such a way so that it's not about a certain outcome, but it's a way to just enjoy the journey of it more than anything else? 
It's an opportunity to imagine, to dream, to reconnect, to heal. It's creating that space, too, uh, for things like the reason I, I was so excited about the song Trees um, is because I feel like there's this sort of being in the trees and connecting with the trees breathing, which is weird to think about. Like, do trees breathe? Yeah, because we're breathing with them, but it's like this back and forth, and that reconnection reminds us that there's this relationship that we have with the trees, but this type of rest is also a way for us to reconnect with the people that we love in our lives that we sometimes miss when we're doing and producing. Like during the lockdown, uh, Krista and I made a bonfire like almost every other night, which was awesome. We went through so much firewood. <laughs> I had to keep going to Ace Hardware to buy like those logs, even though we have so much wood around us because we just ran out of sticks. Like I think there was a point where I was just trying to find brush and I'm like, I don't have enough sticks to make brush because we just kept making bonfires, but it was awesome. I would take my pipe with me, I would smoke and I would try to be like Gandalf from the Fellowship of the Ring where he's like blowing uh, you know, all these shapes, but it wasn't that cool. Also when I was writing that, I like thought of about a bit of, you know, when people were making all these shapes with vaping, that was kind of cool back in like 2020, right? <laughs> Do you guys remember that? <laughs> but what was, what, what was great about these bonfire conversations when we were in lockdown was the fact that we, we like got to know each other on another level than we had before. We had all these deep conversations. We were five years into marriage, and there were things that I was getting to learn about Krista, and I feel like she was getting to learn about me that we'd never really talked about before, and it was really cool. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about, that we're talking about with this rest. It's reconnecting, connecting at a deeper level. Another example is in 2019, I took a couple days uh, by myself to go to Conception Abbey, has anybody ever been to Conception Abbey? You're familiar? Okay, Conception Abbey's awesome. It's like a little bit past St. Joe. People go there for retreats. There's some trails, um, some spots for meditation, prayer. You can go, you know, have uh, lunch with all the monks that live there. It's a good time. It's pay what you can, so it's very affordable. Uh <laughs> it's affordable for any parent because it's pay what you can. Uh, and I'd never really done a solo retreat before, but, you know, I wanted to try it out. I've heard how meaningful it can be. And so uh, I spent a couple days there, and one of the days I went and sat by a pond, just sat there, closed my eyes. I don't really know how long I was doing that for, but it, it's interesting because after a while, this memory, this moment that I had had in my childhood came back to me that I hadn't really thought about since the event happened, and I didn't realize how formative it was. And since then, I've actually gone back and done a lot of work and you know I'm, I'm learning a lot of things about myself through that but you don't realize what might come up when you sit there and listen without trying to fill the space with something when you just wait you might be surprised what you learn about yourself or what you hear this kind of rest isn't like sexy you know it might not sound that cool, but we don't realize we need it until we do it. And also, this is like another facet of it. It doesn't really work if you try to force it. 
Um, this isn't about adding another thing on our, on our to-do list so we can measure our worth based off how much we check off the to-do list. Uh, there's kind of this trend where people are talking about rest on social media, but as a way to be more productive. So it's like rest so that you can keep doing more, but that's not what this rest is about. That's missing the point. There are a couple of stories when uh, in the Bible when this kind of comes up. Uh, Jesus is being watched like a hawk by these religious leaders pretty much throughout the entire time that he's doing things. Um, but particularly around the Sabbath, uh, there's two stories around people watching him during the Sabbath. Uh, instead of being a day of rest for some of these people, it became a day of obligation. Another item on the to-do list, another item on the questionnaire of, am I good enough to check off? And Jesus intentionally breaks the rules twice in a row, two stories back to back about him just saying, F it, I'm not going to follow those rules. Um, and in the first one, the disciples are basically going through the edges of a field, picking off grains um, from some Pick, you know, going through grain fields and they're eating these grains to feed themselves, which is like was like a thing back then. Apparently, farmers would set aside a certain part of the crop that they grew so that people could go through and just get it for themselves, which would be kind of cool if we did that. You know, like if like hungry people could just go to their nearby farm because the farmer intentionally didn't harvest a certain part of it so that people could just walk through and eat it. That'd be cool. But, you know, capitalism. So um, we don't do that. Um, but the, the religious leaders are watching, and they stop him, and they say, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So then Jesus tells this story about this guy named King David who they idolized. He was like, you know, the person they looked up to. He was like, you know, this hero from the past. And he tells this story about something that he did that wasn't the greatest. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, criticizing Taylor Swift to Swifties. Um, so, so he tells a story about when David um, takes bread from the temple on the Sabbath day to eat a meal with his friends, which for us is like, yeah, right? Like you're hungry. You eat a meal with your friends. But that was like a double whammy. It was like getting pulled over with an illegal firearm and then also finding out that you have illicit drugs in your car. It's like two laws were broken in one. But Jesus tells this story to teach them something. That the Sabbath wasn't meant to be this day of obligation, but it was about connection, relationship, being more in tune with ourselves and then there's this other story where Jesus is uh, teaching and there's a man with this withered hand in the crowd, which I didn't really know what that means, but he had a withered hand. And, uh, you know, these religious leaders are watching him closely and Jesus anticipates the whole thing and asks the question, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And of course, the answer is you do good, regardless of what the rules are, Right. You don't just say, well, I'm not going to help that person because it's my day of rest. Like, I'm just going to ignore what's going on. I'm not going to do that. You, you can't, if you're in a marriage, you can't really do that. <laughs> you can't just pull the, like, it's my day of rest card. I'm not going to do that thing unless, like, it's something that can wait. If it's something immediate, you kind of have to do it. But, um, 
The point of these two stories was that the day of rest had become so rigid and rules-based that it had lost its real meaning. And that's the warning for our rest practices, to not make them another item on our list to measure our worth, but to utilize them for healing, connection, growth, dreaming, and all these other wonderful things. And I would say if you're in a place where you feel stuck or you feel overwhelmed or you feel like there's something going on and you just can't pinpoint what it is, maybe your soul feels disturbed, maybe you're hurting, you're grieving something, this rest thing, setting aside an intentional time to connect with yourself, with what's going on within, to connect with people that you love, to connect with God or whatever you call it, might just be the thing that your soul needs. But our lives can be pulled a bunch of different directions. It's easily to get distracted. It's, it's easy to move away from the stillness from listening, from being present, from carving out that time. So we have to be creative and intentional with our rest practices. So uh, Trisha Hershey, who a lot of this content is from, she tells she tells a the story about the maroons. Do you guys know what the maroons are? Are you familiar? Okay, one person's nodding their head. So, <laughs> yeah, the maroons are awesome. Uh, this is a fun history lesson. Uh, this is, you know, this is woke history right here, um, but this is uh, woke church, so we're going to do it. <laughs> um, but the Maroons were slaves who jumped off slave ships as soon as they got near land. And what they would do is they would either band together and go make their own communities um, in the lands that were being colonized, or they would meet up with indigenous people and just say, hey, uh, you also don't like what's happening here. Can we join you and help you? Can we resist what's happening? They, they would fight the colonizers. They would free slaves. They would take the lands back. Like, they were badass. Um, and there's this one group of Maroons that actually, like, did something significant. They, they almost took over the entire Dominican Republic after 15 years of battling the Spaniards. And then what they did after that was they jumped from island to island and set slaves free and took the lands back from the colonizers. Like, they were freaking cool. They were like the resistance from the new Star Wars trilogy. They were just this band of people that weren't organized. They didn't really have resources, but they were like, we're going to resist these colonizers because this isn't right. And Trisha says, the way the Maroons created a whole world within an oppressive one to test out their freedom and regain autonomy reminds me of the spiritual and metaphysical ways we must reimagine and shape-shift our intentional rest. They're like a model for us. We might not be able to push against this massive thing that we call capitalism that says produce and make and win and succeed because that's all that matters. We might not be able to completely dismantle it in our lifetimes or by ourselves, but we can create these small pockets of communities that say no more. This is why I personally value being a part of a faith community, because I feel like at its best, a faith community is a place of resistance. 
where we say no longer is our value based on what we accomplish. This is the place where we remind ourselves over and over that we are good because we are and that's it. Over. No attachments to it. Unconditional love. We are sacred. Period. Uh, I took a few Native American classes, Native American religion classes in seminary, and for many tribes, that's what their rituals were about. They were about reminding themselves of those things. They were about reconnecting with the earth, recognizing that we're in relationship with everything, kind of like what I was talking about with the trees. That's what they were for them, saying, no, actually, uh, this food that I eat isn't because of my own doing. It's because there were all these other processes that were happening, and I'm just a part of it. Rather than having this perspective where we just exploit it and make it work for us, it was about being in relationship with the things that give us food. It's such a different way of being that even saying the words just feels foreign, right? Because we're just so used to like, no, this plant is for me, instead of no, this plant is, is in relationship with me. This plant feeds me, and I give back to it, and that is how this works. That's why I like breath prayers, because breath prayers are like saying, yeah, this breath that I'm receiving right now, I didn't have to do anything for it. And actually, it's in relationship with that plant over there, and I'm breathing as the tree is breathing, and it's this connection, this mutuality. I don't want to over-idealize those cultures, but I feel like colonization and capitalism swung us from whatever those people were doing, the relationship they had with nature, to the complete other side of the spectrum. And so we kind of have to pull the pendulum back back and say, no, 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 no. It's not about getting whatever we can get out of this. It's about being in relationship in a healthy way so that we don't keep destroying our planet and harming people. The system isn't working for everybody, and there's a reason why. Because it was exploitive from the beginning. Like, if you don't know this, you might know this, and I might just be the only one that was, like, shocked by this, but capitalism and slavery are not just, like, next to each other. They were intrinsically related. Capitalism would not have succeeded without free labor to infuse a bunch of capital into it. So there's a reason it's problematic, because they're intrinsically related. So rest becomes our way to resist that and to say our worth is not measured based off an economic system that doesn't work for everybody. So as, as I close, I invite you to find your rest practice, to honor those rest practices, to take them seriously, and not to make them an item on the to-do list, but to include them as a rhythm of your life to say and remind yourself that your worth is based on who you are and not what you do. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone.